Hi, this is Pastor Austin from Connection Church. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our services, you can go to ConnectionNYC.com or check us out at ConnectionNYC on Instagram. Hope you enjoy it and hope to see you soon. Amen. Well, thank you, Angela and Steph and Courtney and Haley for leading us in such an awesome time of worship. I, uh, I got a few text messages throughout the week. Um, got one from John and Hannah and said that they would be out of town today. And then uh, Bobby, uh, our production guy, is out of town. And I think Joyce might be with them. And then we have somebody uh, visiting another church who's doing a project this week. And so I got it. was like six or seven people. Uh, Brian's in Florida competing in jujitsu. And I just thought, well, I thought a couple of things. One, I was like, we might be a little light on Sunday with seven people definitely out and not sure about the whereabouts um, of the rest of our congregation. But also I thought, how cool is it that we have so many people in our church that have such influence and impact in the lives of others, not just here in the city, but around the country. And I'm just so grateful to get to come to church with such talented people. Somebody from the mission teams that were here the past couple of weeks asked, they said, hey, what's your skill? What's your talent? And I was like, I don't really know, but I think knowing people might be one of them. Um, And I just know some of the best people. And so if you're new to Connection Church, and maybe you're still figuring that out, or if you've been here for a while, maybe you already know, we have a church of just incredible people. And I'm grateful to get to pastor here. I'm grateful to get to serve with you guys. And grateful to just come together and worship Jesus with you. Um, Today we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 2. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, and our church has been going through... Uh, a few series, right? We went through a series called The Church, and then we went through a series on prayer. Um, If you guys have your own Bible, uh, feel free to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, also connection.family, or if you scan the QR code under worship, you can scroll all the way past the lyrics, and I believe Haley is the scripture on there too. Awesome. So the scripture should be there at the bottom. Of course, feel free to join uh, in your version as well if you'd like. So in in the series on the church, we learned that uh, God wants to do this work in our lives, and, and we learn that one of the ways that He does that is by us engaging Him in prayer and in this conversation, this constant prayer where He's doing this work in our lives. But in this series, The Church, we, we learn that the reason He wants to do this work in our life is so that we can take that work that He's done in us and share it with others around us, right? So it's not just for a work to be done in our lives, but it, it was with the specific purpose that we share that with others, and that's because we learn that the church has been called to teach. The church has been called to teach, and we do this in several different ways. Last week, we learned that the church is called to teach via evangelism, which would be more like sharing the gospel and the good news of Jesus with people who may not be familiar with the story of Jesus or maybe are not familiar with the most accurate picture of who Jesus is. And this week, we're going to talk a little bit more about what it looks like to be intentional with every aspect of our lives, sharing the gospel, living for Jesus, and we call this discipleship. We call this process discipleship. So that's what we're going to look at today. If you know me, you know that I love defining words. And so here's another one. I mean, last week, I love defining words so much. Last week, we defined the word go, which that's pretty, I mean, you should have a, you know, a good idea of that. But discipleship may be a little trickier. Um, there's an organization called Crew, and they're a campus ministry organization. They have a lot of great training tools. If you're ever wondering about the best way to share your faith or do discipleship, Um, you can visit Crew's website. They have incredible resources, but they have a definition of discipleship on their website that I thought was great um, for our purposes and just kind of helping us picture what it looks like to do discipleship. 
And that definition is this. Discipleship is a journey of intentional decisions leading to maturity in your relationship with Jesus so that you can become more like him in your attitudes, focus, and behavior. I thought that was such a great way to define discipleship because oftentimes when we think about discipleship within a church context, we think about maybe sitting down with someone one-on-one or one-on-two and opening up scripture and going over the meaning of scripture more deeply. And while that is part of discipleship, it's not all of discipleship. In fact, most of discipleship is these intentional decisions that we make daily to live out what we're sharing about the gospel. And so when we think about teaching and discipleship, we really have to understand the importance of being intentional, the importance of being intentional. So if you would join me in 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 1, and this is a letter that Paul, who was a very influential uh, missionary and wrote a lot of the New Testament, uh, he's sharing a letter with someone that he's done ministry with in the past, someone that he's discipled, someone that he's had this type of relationship with, and he's giving him instructions on how to continue this process, right? And in this letter, he's telling Timothy, hey, when we were together, these are the things that we did, and I'm, I'm excited that we did those things. I think it was great. And now that we're apart, now that you're doing these things on your own, here's kind of some rules of thumb of what you should be doing uh, apart from me, right? Here's how you can continue this ministry. And starting in chapter 2, verse 1, Paul says, You then, speaking to Timothy, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And so we see with these first two verses that actually discipleship starts with evangelism. Discipleship starts with evangelism in that he says, what you've heard from me, the the message of Jesus, the gospel, you need to share that with other people, right? You need to be telling people who Jesus is and sharing the good news of Jesus. So in that way, evangelism and discipleship kind of go hand in hand, right? So while evangelism can be thought of as this initial foundation built on sharing the gospel, discipleship can be thought of as taking that foundation and intentionally continuing the conversation so that we can grow closer to Jesus. Again, in everything that we do, right? Not only is discipleship intentional in having gospel conversation, but it's also intentional with whom that conversation occurs, Right. If we go back to 2 Timothy, in, in verse 2 it says, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to anyone and everyone. Entrust to whoever you run into. No, it says, entrust to faithful men, or in this case, faithful people that you find. And so what it's really telling us is that as we're going about and sharing the gospel, at, while we do evangelism, that's just kind of sharing this kind of topical, you know, surface level good news message of Jesus. And we're, we're intentionally trying to find who is this clicking with? Who is this connecting to? Because in discipleship, we don't want to walk forward with someone who doesn't see value in the gospel. What Paul is telling Timothy is he's saying, look, you need to treat the gospel as the most valuable asset that you have in your life. This good news of Jesus is the most valuable thing that you have. And as you share it with others, be intentional. Make yourself aware of God's voice so that you can see who is really seeing value in the gospel so that you can go deeper with them in discipleship. Have you ever had a friend or or someone that you shared something with? 
And when you shared it with them, you thought, this is so valuable. Like, I can't wait to tell them about this thing because they're going to love it. They're going to thank me. We're going to have the best conversation. But in the midst of you sharing, somewhere along the way, you kind of realize they don't have the same appreciation for what you're talking about that you do. I get really excited about art and video games. And often I'll share these like most intricate details, either about maybe like a story of a video game that I'm playing or some beautifully written song that I heard or potentially this awesome painting. And I'll be sharing these details with Haley and she hasn't engaged any of that content. She has no idea what I'm talking about when I'm telling her about, you know, the planet Neptune on Destiny 2 and how cool it is and how it fits in the storyline. You know, she's trying, because she's my wife and she loves me, she's trying to engage in the story and she's trying to show appreciation for it, but she just can't show the same appreciation that I have for it because she hasn't experienced it. She hasn't engaged that story or maybe she hasn't heard that song. She hasn't had it act in her life in the same way that I have. And because of that, she can only engage so much, right? I met someone at a party the other day, and he introduced himself, and I introduced myself, and it was very apparent that we just did not have the same personality in a lot of ways. I didn't think that we would have a lot to talk about. We were both very cordial. We were like, hey, it was nice to meet you. Hey, it was nice to meet you. And then we went our separate ways for about 10 minutes. And then one of my other friends showed up and started talking to this gentleman and he said, hey, have you met Austin? And he was just like, yeah, we, we met, you know, for a couple of minutes. He seems cool. And he said, he's, he's actually, he's an Elden Lord. Um, and that's just a video game reference. Um, there's a game called Elden Ring. And when you beat it, you get the title of Elden Lord. And what had happened is this guy that I had met first, that we were having this conversation, surface level, didn't have anything in common. He has just started playing this game. And it's one of the hardest games on the market to actually beat. And so when he heard that, it was like, instant connection, right? He turned to me and we just started having this in-depth conversation about Elden Ring. And so that's what Paul is trying to tell Timothy, right? He's not talking about Elden Lords, right? He's talking about the gospel, but what he's trying to share with them is this. When you evangelize, when you share the good news of Jesus, if people aren't excited about it, move on to the next person. And when you find someone who's excited about it, it is your job. Not just it would be nice if you do it. It's your job to move further in the conversation with that person through discipleship. It's your job to take time out of your day or out of whatever other ministry that you're doing and move further and deeper into this conversation where you've shared the gospel and now it's step two. Now it's time to move on past just the initial sharing and live life with this person. So we see step one in discipleship is actually very similar to evangelism. Step one is just share the gospel. Share the gospel. So if you're taking notes and you want to write something down, the first thing that we're going over today is share the gospel. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Tell people about what you know and find those who are being faithful. In order to disciple, we must first share the gospel. If we move forward in 2 Timothy chapter 2, we see starting in verse 3, he says, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. 
It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. In verse 7, he says, Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding <clears throat> Excuse me, and everything. And so when we look at this, uh, we see kind of step two here, right? Once we have shared the gospel, we must live the gospel. It's not enough to just tell people about Jesus. We have to show them Jesus. We have to share in the suffering of Christ, and we have to walk hand in hand with people and live life with them. We're not to be distracted, right? It says a good soldier doesn't get distracted or entangled in civilian pursuits. So we shouldn't be entangled and distracted by the things of the world. We are bringing the gospel to people and saying, hey, we have something greater than the world. And then the next step is for us to live like we're carrying something greater than the world. It's not enough to just say words. He's saying you have to live it out. Just like the expression, you can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk, right? We have to follow through with living the gospel after we've shared the gospel. So that means we're sharing in the suffering of Christ. We model what it looks like to have our eyes fixed on Jesus regardless of our circumstance. We don't become distracted or entangled in the pursuits or trials of this world, but we allow the gospel and the strength of a relationship with Jesus to help us transcend the struggles of the world by completely leaning into a relationship with Jesus. As we walk with one another, we encourage one another to live the gospel together. This is what discipleship is. If you've ever had a conversation with me at length more than five minutes, you probably know that I love discipleship. This is my heartbeat. I feel like if it was okay, I would just preach on discipleship every single time I got up here. But I know that God has other words for us. But when I was preparing this, I was so excited because, again, so often people think of discipleship as this like educational study. They think of it as this like higher learning and freeing of your mind. And again, it can be that. I'm not saying it shouldn't be that. But what I'm saying is, is it is so much more than a Bible study. Discipleship is life. And specifically, it's the life that Jesus has called us to lead. It's the life that he modeled. It's the life that he says, if you love me, keep my commandments, right? If you love me, if you're going to follow me, do the things that I do. And Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And then Paul tells Timothy, find faithful men and trust this message to faithful men and women. Find people who connect with the gospel and get excited about it and then live that message with those people. I grew up playing baseball in Texas, and I had a hitting coach named uh, Pat Harrison. And I was very fortunate growing up. I had, I was thinking back, I think I had four or five professional coaches work with me one-on-one -on -one at different times. You normally have to pay tons and tons of money for that. And I'm not saying my parents didn't pay any money, right? We, whatever money we had, they put toward uh, baseball for, for myself and gymnastics for my sisters. But we didn't pay for these private lessons, we went as a team and we just happened to have these connections and these networks. And one of the coaches I had, his name was Pat Harrison. He coached uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers for a while. He was a hitting coach for the Dodgers. He was a hitting coach for the Oklahoma Sooners for a while. And he was just a fantastic person and a great coach. So in addition to telling and teaching us principles of hitting, right, looking at our swing and saying, this is what it should look like, and, and these are the techniques that you should be using. He actually found professional hitters that exhibited these principles and also had swings and stances that were similar 
to ours. So he created someone for us to imitate. There was a visual, right? He didn't just say, this is what your swing should look like. He showed us what our swing should look like, specifically using professionals that had very similar swings as we did. And I'll always remember the person that he selected for me because I thought, like, I'm, I'm not worthy. Um, the guy's name is Tony Gwynn. And if you know anything about baseball, he was one of the purest left-handed hitters that ever lived. He just effortless power. The guy was phenomenal. But in watching Tony Gwynn, not only did I hear my coach, Coach Pat, telling me this is what it should look like, I could simultaneously hear him saying this is what, I, what it should look like while I was watching what it actually looked like when you put it all together. And discipleship is just so very similar to this. Right? There's these gospel principles. Right, We're sharing the story about Jesus and what he wants from us. We're sharing it with others. And while God may call each of us to live those principles out in slightly different ways, he does call us to live them out in different acts or forms of obedience. And we should be modeling what it looks like to live these principles intentionally in our daily lives. It's not enough to just share the gospel. True discipleship models the gospel we share with intentional action and living the gospel with one another. That's why it's so important to find people who connect with the gospel. Because if we're going to disciple, if we're going to make disciples who make disciples, or if we're going to find faithful people who find faithful people, we can't just be allowing people who don't connect with the gospel into this long-term community of discipleship. Now, that doesn't mean we don't continue to evangelize to them. It doesn't mean that we don't continue to love them and serve them. Of course, we love and serve everyone. But when we do discipleship with someone, when we take this valuable asset that is the gospel and we present it to someone over and over again and we model what it's saying, we pick faithful people to do that with. Because otherwise, why are we sharing it? If somebody doesn't find value in what you're sharing, why would you spend time continually sharing that same thing? It's through this intentional living that we actually become more like Jesus. It's this process of discipleship where we're sharing truth over and over with one another. We're sharing the gospel and then we live that truth out and then we make a mistake and then we're like, oh, you know what? That probably wasn't the best and then we try to do better the next time and God continues to sanctify us and he sharpens us by using one another in a community that finds value in what Jesus calls us to do and we disciple one another and we're strengthened because of it. We become more like Jesus because of it. So the first thing we do is we share the gospel and the second thing we do is we live the gospel. We share the gospel and then we live the gospel. If we go a little further in 2 Timothy chapter 2, we see starting in verse 8, Paul says, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. The word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So finally, not only do we share the gospel and live the gospel, but we endure for the gospel. Discipleship while we have a clear picture of what it is, is not easy. There's simplicity in it. Share the message, live the message. It's not complex. 
but it is not easy. We are called as Christians to be discipled and to disciple. To do this the way that Jesus calls us requires intentionality and it requires sacrifice. In other words, it's not going to happen naturally and it's not going to be easy. The way we do this is by remembering that the gospel is unbound. In verse 9, the word of God is not bound. And if we remember that the gospel, the word of God is unbound and can accomplish things beyond our wildest dreams, and we remember the example of Christ that he defeated death and endured for the sake of his church, we remember that enduring for Christ is worth it. While we're living our life and we're enduring for other things, we're trying to push through and accomplish things at our jobs, we're trying to push through and accomplish financial goals, or we're trying to help our family grow up in the right way. We're trying to do all these things, and sometimes, just to be frank, it's not worth it. It's not worth the effort and the sacrifice and the intentionality and the energy and the hurt and the pain and the frustration. It's not worth it. But when we live the gospel, when we endure for the gospel... It is always, always worth it. Even when it seems hard and like we might be lost and we're not sure, it's worth it. So we share the gospel. We live the gospel. And because of who Jesus is, because of Jesus' faithfulness, we can endure for the gospel. We are called to endure for the gospel. Let's pray. God, we're just so grateful for the example of your son, Jesus. God, I'm grateful for the people who are in this room that I know personally, Lord. They, they share the gospel and they live the gospel and they are enduring for the gospel. God, the encouragement that we have in our church community of people who are doing this daily, even when it's difficult. God, when it seems like all is lost, even when it seems like it might not be worth it, Lord, we, we place our, our faith and our trust in you and in your faithfulness. Lord, we work hard to, to model what it looks like to do true discipleship. And God, in the midst of messing up, in the midst of falling short, we, we offer those up. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness and we ask that you draw us even closer to you and you make us more like your son, Jesus. God, I pray that we would boldly share truth with our friends and family, that we would boldly live that truth. And God, we would make ourselves aware that as we're sharing the gospel, we would find others that connect to it and find value in it. And God, we would live the gospel with those people. God, I pray that you would just continue to present our church with more and more and more opportunities to connect with others in our neighborhood, God, as we have walked through extremely challenging and trying times, God. But we've continued to, to put our faith and trust in you, and you've continued to bless us, and you've continued to provide for us. God, I pray that we would never forget that. God, that we would raise those up as Ebenezer's, as points in our life that we look back and we say, that's where God showed up for our church. That's where God showed up for me. And no matter how hard this is, I will endure for the sake of the gospel because it is always worth it. God, as we move into just this time 
of response, God, as we get ready to sing a song, as we get ready to take communion. Lord, I pray that you would just use this time to be transformative for us, God, that you would give us a passion and a desire to serve you even more than we already do. God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As Steph comes up and gets ready to play, we'll move into this time in our church that we have every week. It's just this time of response. And what that means is it's just a time for you to personally respond to the worship that you've heard, the message that you've heard, maybe the way that God is speaking to you. And you can do that in several ways. You can stay seated and listen to the music and just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. You can uh, partake in communion. We have uh, crackers that are symbolic of Jesus' body that is broken for you. We have wine, symbolic of Jesus' blood poured out for you. If you're a follower of Jesus, we invite you to respond in that way if you're feeling called. Um, I'll be in the back. If you guys have any prayer requests for me, I would love to pray over you. Um, Just utilize this as a time for the Lord to speak to you. I think so often when we have times of response, we equate response with talking or doing or action. That is part of response. But sometimes your response can just be, God, I'm, I'm open to whatever you have to say, and I'm going to listen. So I pray that however the Holy Spirit is, is leading you to respond to what you've heard today, or what you've experienced today, I just pray that you would open yourself up to however God is calling you that you would place your fears and your worries and your frustrations just at the feet of Jesus. You would give those over to him. And those wouldn't be a barrier between you and your walk with Christ, but there would be something that strengthens it because you know that Jesus is working in and through you, even amongst your brokenness, especially amongst your brokenness. So let this be a time that's transformative for you. I'll pray us into this time and then you'll have time to respond. God, once again, we just thank you so much for this space that you've blessed us with. We thank you for the opportunity to come together to worship you. God, I pray that you would provide relief and comfort for us now and energy and excitement and passion for us throughout the week as we share and live and endure for the gospel. God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.